On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, a.k.a. Menners, and we have a special Sixers Women's Big Bash League episode for you now. Joining me from the Sixers is Sarah Ailey. How are you, Sarah? I'm really well. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You know, it's been such a, a huge women's Big Bash League season and it's coming right to the pointy end now with all the teams battling out for the top four. So I thought it'd be a great time to get someone on from the women's Big Bash League. How's the comp been going? Yeah, it's been really good. I think uh, this weekend's going to be really interesting. A lot of the teams that are, I guess, either in the top four or battling to be in the top four uh, play against each other this weekend. So it should actually be a really good uh, weekend of cricket and some really good matches. You know, New South Wales are dominating the competition again, both the Sydney teams at the top of the table. Why is it that the New South Wales women's cricketer seems to do so well? Uh, yeah, it's a hard thing to kind of put your finger on. We've sort of had some really, I guess, some really strong players coming through um, our, our junior cricket. Um, I know that when I was coming through uh, many moons ago, the competition um, within the New South Wales squad and within even the, the under-19 squad that I was playing in was, was really strong. So um, I guess we've just got a really good culture of bringing through uh, good cricketers and, and obviously, you know, Having to, I suppose, split um, the teams uh, or the the talent that we have within New South Wales uh, just goes to show how strong cricket is in in New South Wales at the moment, that both teams, the Sixers and the Thunder, um, are dominating the competition. So I think it's it's really good signs for us here at at New South Wales. Hopefully, um, you know, once the WBBL is over, the the WNCL um, restarts again and, and, you know, we're on top of the table at the moment, New South Wales. So hopefully we can bring all that uh, form together from the the BBL and come through and, and hopefully win another WNCL title. So the Thunder won the first Women's Big Bash League, the Sixers the second, both at the top now for the third. Is there something structural at like a grade level for women's cricketers that is different in New South Wales to other states? Do you get more opportunity for competitive cricket at lower grades? I don't know. Is there something there underneath it all that's sort of fueling this success? Uh, I think it probably comes from our pathway cricket. So through Cricket New South Wales, we identify a lot of talent fairly early um, and try and get them into uh, really good squads and competitive squads quite early on, um, sort of through, we've got squads that are under 13 and a lot of the girls that have been sort of under 13 have gone through under 14, then into the under 15s um, where they have a a women's national championship and then, you know, we try and um, keep a core group of players together and I think it 
sort of comes down to being able to identify that talent and knowing how to nurture it, I think. And that's something that Cricket New South Wales has done really well through those pathway programs to be able to bring a lot of these younger girls through. Um, and then obviously bringing them into the Breakers program, um, which is which is quite strong. Um, obviously, a lot of Australian players have come through that. And then, you know, we've got... there's quite a lot of New South Wales players actually playing in other teams in other states but also within um, other teams within the WBBL as well so um, I think it probably comes down to that talent identification really early and um, having really good coaches around to to nurture that and grow that um, and be able to produce some really good cricketers in the future. I guess now the challenge is for other states around the country to start to sort of rise to the level that's been set here. Yeah, and I guess you can sort of see that with, um, I think, the Melbourne teams. Um, and also, I guess you, you look at the strikers as well um, with South Australia. Obviously, South Australia won the WNCL a couple of years ago and then um, the strikers have come through quite well this year. They probably struggled a little bit the years before, but they've been a, um, a really tight group together um, and have been producing some really good cricket. Obviously, they've got some good internationals in there, but I think that's what helps uh, those younger players come through there they're feeding off those players and you know learning off them about cricket and about things outside of cricket as well which is making them better cricketers so um, I think we can see the competition is getting getting a lot closer a lot tighter and a lot stronger. Yeah there's a big international core of players in the sixes I guess they must bring a lot of experience against and give that to the younger players yeah exactly and I think that's what those younger players feed off um, I know the first couple of years uh, when we had uh, Marazan Cup within our group nobody really knew her some of the the internationals like um, Elise and Elisa knew her uh, from playing against her but I guess we sort of didn't um, a lot of us didn't really know who she was and um, and what she did and as soon as like that first training session that we saw her everybody knew that she was going to be something special um, within this competition and you know she's just showed her class throughout but it's um, a lot of our younger kids being around her and and learning from what she does how she bowls how she goes about her preparation for games recovery all those types of things I think they're they're the little things that um, a lot of the younger girls probably you know need to learn and that's what they pick up off those overseas and international players is all the little things off the field as well as um, what you do on the training um, track and uh, in the games. And, and Cap's gone now hasn't she for the rest of the comp? Yeah so we've lost um, Marazan and we've lost uh, Dane as well uh, they've got a uh, South Africa tour uh, which is coming up against India. So obviously it's great that they're being able to play for their country, but unfortunately for us, we uh, we lose them. And they've been um, two really big players for us over the past two seasons, but especially this year as well. So, you know, big big shoes to fill for those that come in. But um, I think we've got a really good depth within our squad that we can pull from pull from players uh, and we know that they'll, they'll do the job. Well, one of the great stories to come out of it is Sarah Coit, returning to cricket so she retired from cricket a year ago I think it was a year it was a year ago yeah it was about a year ago yeah and has sort of made a comeback which is fantastic I mean she played for Australia in the past very talented cricketer so do you think the lure of the the lights and the women's big bash just got her back in got her back passionate about the game yeah potentially I haven't had a chance to have a chat to her about um sort of how she sort of 
uh, I guess, wanted to come back in. But, um, yeah, I'm really glad that she's signed with us. Uh, it'll be great to um, hopefully pull on the, the magenta with her. I played uh, New South Wales breakers with her for quite some time and she's such a, a competitive beast. So I know that when she gets out on the field, she'll uh, be giving it her all, even though she hasn't been in the game for, yeah, probably 12 to 18 months. But, you know, she's had other things that she, she wanted to she wanted to achieve and those types of things. So she's gone away. And yeah, maybe the the lure of the big bash and, and how big it's become and how exciting it is um, might have been what what got her back. Yeah, I mean, am I right in saying that the, the women's big bash has maybe kept you playing cricket a bit longer? The professionalisation of the game has made you rethink where you thought cricket could go for you? Yeah, it's definitely helped. I know for me, you know, I was contemplating retirement um, probably a, a season or two ago. Um, and then obviously the, the big bash came around and it probably, I suppose, renewed my energy for cricket a little bit. Um, it was really exciting. It was something new, something we hadn't done before. It was obviously a bit of uncharted waters for, for women's cricket, something like this. Um, and then to sort of come into it, you know, three years now that we've been doing it and just to see how far it's come and um, how excited the fans get and seeing a lot of young girls in the crowd watching cricket and I guess looking up to us and, and you know, wanting to hopefully one day emulate what we've been able to, what we've been able to do. You know, I think it's, it's really good that this has happened and yeah, it probably has kept me playing a little bit longer. I don't think my body has enjoyed it <laughs> as much as my uh, my mind has. But yeah, I think it's one of those things that it probably will keep a few players in the game a little bit longer, which I think is a really good thing because um, I know uh, from past experience that a lot of players have retired well before they probably should have basically because they haven't been able to um, financially support themselves um, through just playing cricket you know you still have to work and then obviously if you're working and training um, there's a lot more expectations with training Uh, you know we we train you know sometimes we'll be training from 10 till 4 it's a it's a really big day and that's kind of like a work day in a way so yeah I think it's it's been a really good thing to I guess reinvigorate a lot of probably players that are on the uh, other side of 30 that have sort of thought well yeah I can probably play for a little bit longer. Yeah, we won't go into ages I know that's, <laughs> that can be a tricky one but you know you were talking about the women's big bash players being role models when I've been to the Women's Big Bash and seen the way the kids of both sexes gravitate towards the, the star players in the Women's Big Bash, it's, uh, you know, it's fantastic to see. You know, do you see that as a role of an athlete to be a little bit of a role model or do you, do you think you, know, you, you can separate the two? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because I've sort of, I guess I've always, I guess for as long as I've been playing cricket in a way um, or at least at the elite level, there's sort of always been that little bit of role model about what you do in terms of being um, in an elite program uh, and those types of things. So I guess a lot of the kids do look up to you and it doesn't matter whether they're, you know, a boy or a girl, they'll they'll still want to come up and mm-hmm. get your autograph and, and ask you questions about cricket and, and those types of things. And I think it's just great that they don't care whether you're part of the, the BBL or the WBBL, they just want to be around you and they... Um, yeah, they look up to you and they're, you know, they're, they're bright faces when you go up to them after the match and, and those types of things, I think, really help you to realise that, you know, there's probably, there's bigger things out there apart from cricket. The fact that, you know, you can go and make the day of, of a, a, a little girl that's at the cricket that just wants to meet meet a player or meet mm. one of her idols. And, yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, when the Big Bash is over every season is it and the lights go out, is there a bit of a letdown? Because it's like, or I wouldn't say circus, but, it you know, the Big Bash and the Women's Big Bash, they sort of take over and it's so intense and then it just stops. Is there a little bit of a flatness afterwards? Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, post-tournament blues. Yep. Um, we definitely felt that uh, last year. But then I think knowing that, um, there's another one sort of just around the corner and there's obviously a lot of hard work that goes into that before you you can actually you know get on the field and those types of things but yeah there's definitely a little bit of uh, a little bit of blues around it but um, for from our point of view we've got uh, state cricket still to go um, there's obviously um, an Australian tour to India so a lot of the girls will be hoping to put in good performances to hopefully get selected for that um, it's about so refocusing and yeah, yeah, and obviously we need to uh, shift back into a, a different uh, format, um, going from T20 to 50 over cricket. Um, I think there'll probably be a lot of people that will be pretty cooked after the, the big bash because there is a lot of travelling. Uh, a lot of attention as well. Yeah, a lot, a lot of attention and, and a lot more than what we're used to, but I think it's something that we're um, really embracing and we know that it's something that's going to benefit us in the long run. Uh, the more that we can promote the game, the more it means that in three, four, five years' time, um, the better the position that the game's going to be in. Um, and obviously for women's cricket, you know, be in a much better position. Yeah, definitely. All right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break and then I'll be back with Sarah Ailey to talk about that run out. Ailey, deep in a crease, Satterthwaite. Well bowled, it's going to be a dot, a single. It is a magnificent win to the Renegades. Would you believe it? Having only put on 120. Wait, this will be very, very interesting. Sixers, aware that Emma Ingalls did not take the stumps off. They have snuck through for another run. They're asking now. The Sixers think that it's a tied game. Emma Ingalls thinks it was a dead ball. The umpire... I think, is going to give the second run. Everyone's pointing and gesturing at the moment. The umpires will get together. The Sixers girls, they have left the ground. They think that they've got the second run, which will mean a tied game. You're listening to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Manners, and I'm here with Sixers Women's Big Bash star, Sarah Ailey. Sarah, so, look, I'm glad you're here because the most controversial moment of the Women's Big Bash involved you at running between the wickets. So let's take the listeners back. It was the Sixers, the Renegades. Emma Inglis took the ball, uh, return. Uh, She threw the ball up in the air in celebration, thinking the game was over. You stole a single at the end to tie the game. In the end, the Renegades won in super over, so it probably didn't really affect anything, but did cause a lot of debate that run out. Uh, I guess, how have you reflected on it? Uh, yeah, well, look, I guess from my point of view, part of me feels like I have to defend myself every time we talk about this, but um, I guess from... That's what podcasts are for, <laughs> yeah. do it. I guess from, from my point of view, when I'd spoken to uh, Angela Reeks, who I was batting with, and sort of said, look, if we're not going to get a four, we've at least got to get two, um, sort of no matter where the ball goes. So we kind of knew that we needed two to tie. At least if we could get it to a super over, it would give us a mm, chance. We're going to um, run as hard as we can. Yeah, so... Obviously, the ball didn't go where I wanted it to. I got a bit of an inside edge and it went to um, sort of a a short, fine leg. Yep. I actually didn't know where the ball went because I just knew that I had to run and run hard. So um, I didn't actually turn around to see where it had gone. Uh, And I ran, put my bat in, 
um, sort of heard some cheering, but I turned around, and when I turned around, I saw the ball on the ground. So I, I didn't see what had happened. I saw the ball on the ground, so I ran, thinking that the ball was still in play, and then obviously um, slid in. But the bowler, Amy Satterthwaite, was kind of next to me. Um, when she heard me call Ange through for another run, she started going towards the ball, and she was shouting out, ball, ball, uh, for somebody to pick it up and take the stumps. Uh, so... Yeah, so she obviously thought the ball was still in play as well. Um, and then, yeah, once I slid in and sort of they were all saying that the, you know, wasn't the ball dead and the umpire shook his head saying, no, it wasn't. So I was like, okay, right, it's a super over and just charged straight off. Didn't bother um, sort of going to the umpire and asking for any clarification. I saw him shake his head at the um, the dead ball sort of signal and yeah, I guess the rest is history. A lot of people will probably think it's probably justice that, that the Renegades won the Super over. But yeah, I guess it's those those little things that happen in cricket that, um, you know, it came down to the umpire's point of view and he felt that the ball was still in play when I ran. And yeah, I guess... So um, you've obviously seen the replay since. Yeah. Um, do you think the umpire's got it right? I mean, I know it was a um, tough one. It was one that could have gone either way. Yeah, it could have gone either way. And if the umpire had have said, yes, the ball was dead, I would have said, yeah, okay, that's fine. It's game over. Um, we, we lost the match. So, yeah, it's it's kind of hard because I sort of, the whole time I, I did have my back to the ball and I had my head down. Um, and then when I turned and, and saw the ball on the ground, um, you can kind of see, I actually didn't realise that, um, Emma Ingalls had actually just dropped it on the ground rather than sort of throw it up in the air. Mm. And how was Emma after the game? Um, I, to be honest, I didn't really talk to her. I think they were all pretty filthy about it. Yeah. Um, which is which is fair enough. I'm sure if it was the other way around, we probably would have been a bit filthy about it too. But I suppose at, at the end of the day, you kind of in the moment and in the situation, you just you play what's there. And I guess. From now on, I think a lot of keepers will be keeping the ball in their gloves um, if a situation like that arises again. If you had your time over and you, I guess if you'd seen what had happened at the strikers end with the keeper keeping the ball, would you have maybe not run? Uh, potentially. I think it's probably hard to say. I guess in the, the heat of the moment, you kind of um, just go on instinct. And if I, I guess if I had have seen the ball on the ground again, I potentially would have run. Um, I, I have thought about the situation over and over again and the more, the, the most that I've thought about is what shot I would have played as opposed to whether I would have run again. It's more about, I guess, lo- looking for the boundary or looking for a, another shot option of, of what I could have done in order to avoid that situation again. So, um, yeah, I guess it, it's it's probably a hard thing. I don't think it will ever happen again because I think people are probably a bit... I suppose clued on to that now. I've noticed when I've been batting that a lot of keepers are holding onto the ball and taking the stumps even when I'm in my crease just to make sure that I don't go anywhere. So I think that might be something that might follow me around for the rest of the out for a while. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, I guess that's that's the way things happen, and there's probably been a lot of, um, I guess. I suppose, deeper look into rules when things like that happened, you know, probably 20, 30 years ago, something might have come up and, and you know, they've had to look into the rules of certain things. So, you know, I guess that's just how cricket evolves and, and changes and those types of things. I was glad about the um, Alex Ross obstructing the field wicket that happened after mine because then it kind of took the uh, <laughs> took the shine away from that. But yeah, it took the attention off. Yeah. I think sometimes people outside the game forget how important it is to have that sort of competitive drive 
and when you get in those situations, you're only really thinking about winning. And that's where the umpires are sort of you know, trusted to make the decisions about those things. Athletes are really in the moment. And I think sometimes you forget that when you're watching how that fuels a lot of the decisions. Yeah, I think you, I'm sure if you asked a lot of cricketers um, if they were in the same situation, what they would have done and if it was to win a match or if it was to tie a match, would they have taken the run? And you probably think that in the heat of the moment, a lot of them probably would have done that. Uh, and it's kind of just... You know, what, what happens on the field sometimes you, like I said before, you just go on, on instinct. You mm. kind of, you don't really think too much about it. And then it's kind of up to the umpire to make the decision. And, and in the end, he he thought that the ball was still in play just like I did. So um, that's kind of where that where that decision happened. And then... Well, they say any publicity is good publicity. Well, so it certainly got publicity. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly did. And um, yeah, had been talking about it for a few days afterwards. That's for sure. All right, I'll let you off now. Um, okay, a couple of questions about the Sixers women's Big Bash team. Your skipper, Elise Perry, just one of the most famous athletes in Australia, obviously being a dual international at such a young age. Is, I mean, she's probably the most publicised women's cricketer and the face of women's cricket in many ways. What's she like as a skipper? Um, she's really good. She's really calm under pressure. And it's probably, you know, she's been the skipper. This is her third um, her third season. And probably the, the first year and even into the second year, she was probably in a little bit uncharted water. She hadn't really captained a side before, but she's obviously got um, an immense knowledge of the game mm. and, and um, obviously played a lot of games at international level. Uh, as well and, and been around some really good players that she's been able to to get knowledge off and, and those types of things so um, she's really uh, growing into the role of, of being skipper um, and I think it's something that um, she really enjoys she might not enjoy it um, it might be a bit stressful for her at times but I think majority of the time she um, she really enjoys it um, she likes I guess being under that pressure and having to make those decisions. But she's also got some really good people around her. Um, Elisa Healy, obviously another really good cricket brain. Um, and obviously she led us uh, in the in the finals uh, at the end of uh, WBBL 02 to, to the title. So Reluctant skipper. Yeah, she was a very reluctant skipper, but she is a very good, uh, a very good skipper as well. Um, another one who's really calm under pressure, knows what she wants, talks to her bowlers, uh, make sure that the bowlers know what they want to do and, and sets the right fields for what they want to do. And um, we've obviously got a really good coach in Ben Sawyer uh, who works with the bowlers a lot to make sure that the bowlers have a bit of control over what they want to do as well. Um, and then obviously Elise sort of facilitates that on the field. So we've got some really good leaders around the group. Yeah, hopefully it can uh, lead us to another title. Yeah, well, the finals are coming up. It's an interesting one because, you know, the Sixers and the Thunder are at the top. But the way that the final structure is that the, the women's Big Bash semis are played where the men's Big Bash semifinals are. So, well, you're definitely not going to have a home field advantage because the men didn't do you a favour and make the top four. So I guess they're looking at changing that to be standalone women's Big Bash fixtures. Is that something you think they need to do? Or do you like the fact that you're sort of there before the men's semifinal and you get some of the crowd and coverage? There's obviously certain elements to that that are that are really good like obviously you said um the crowds that come in for the men's match they're usually you know especially at somewhere like Adelaide or the Wacker um even though it's not going to be at the Wacker this year but those grounds a lot of people come in nice and early especially if you know one of their 
home WBBL mm. teams are playing, they usually get a really good crowd. So there's obviously that element to it. But I think even if it is in two years, we're a standalone competition. I think we can draw crowds like that as well. Uh, and I think that that's something that's really exciting. And I think that if we can obviously build build our product now so that in you know two years time in 2019 if it is a standalone competition um, that we can draw those crowds as well and get people to the ground well i mean there is talk of a new tv deal and that will shape the way the structure of the competition my thing is that i think they still could have double headers on tv but they don't have to be at the same venue so i think it's great for the viewers to watch a women's big bash game and then that flows into a men's game and you've got you know, six, seven hours of great cricket. But I don't think they have to be at the same venue. That can just be a televised thing. And I, I don't know, I feel that it's unfair on, you know, in this case, the Sixers and the Thunder to potentially have to play away against a, another team for sort of no reason. Yeah, I guess it kind of, if you come first or second and you would normally get a home final and then you have to play it at the Adelaide Oval against Adelaide, um, you kind of, yeah, you don't have that home ground advantage. You haven't got that and they um, get it. home crowd and, and they get it. Yeah, so it's one of those things that at the moment there's not a lot we can sort of do about it and we, I guess, we kind of embrace it. Mm. Um, just the fact that we, we get to play in front of a big crowd and at such a great ground and, and those types of things. So, But I, I agree, they definitely could sort of have double headers, but yeah be separate yeah um i know that cricket australia just want to get cricket on tv and i've spoken to a lot of people um that sort of watch the live stream and a lot of them would prefer it to be on tv rather than on the live stream they sort of think well there's there's nothing on it two o'clock on a saturday afternoon why not put it on Mm. the tv a big bash channel for summer perhaps yeah well i think um i think a lot of people would actually really love that uh, mm. there's so many people out there that love cricket and you know if cricket australia want cricket to be the number one sport in the country then you know they need to get it out there for people to see uh, and if that's putting it on tv and like you said having their own channel i reckon you know the, there'll be plenty of people that will watch it there's plenty of people that watch the game now you know more than they watch the a league and those types of things so you know there's obviously a lot of you know, a, a lot of people. Of interest, yeah, yeah, a lot of people. But people want are to lazy. See it. If if it's not on TV, if you have to hook up your tablet or watch it on computer, sometimes people can be a bit lazy and take yeah. the easy option. Yeah, yeah. Um, one I've... thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's been floating around the men's big bash, but also the women's, is there've been a lot of fines handed out for slow over rates. Now, I think it's been a mistake. I'm just going to say it, and you, I know you can't, otherwise you might get another fine. <laughs> <laughs> but. Is enough time given to the women's big bash to complete the overs? I think it is it seventy five minutes per innings. Yeah, seventy five minutes. Is for that us. enough? Look, I think when you've got uh, Marazan Cap in your team, who has to take her hair out and redo it every other ball, um, that pretty much is the equivalent <laughs> of a men's longer run up. So, and they seem to get more time. So, I think there's, if I said that, I would have got in trouble. <laughs> there's there's little things within the women's game that I guess you know the the men don't have to worry about, but. Yeah, I, I don't think, know if you've seen some of the haircuts going well, around. Well, yeah, that, that is true. That is Madison, true. if you're listening. <laughs> so, yeah, I think... Like, is we, the international get, time the same? Is it, uh, is yeah, it, I'm pretty sure it's the same, yeah. So I think there's, you know, they give allowances for certain things. Um, you know, the, the opposition, like the batters running out drinks and, and those types of things. And obviously when you're 
in a game of cricket, you want to take wickets, but that obviously takes up time as well. And you want to be able to get in and celebrate. And sometimes it kind of gets to the end and you're really rushing to get through because you're under that time pressure to finish and you can't celebrate wickets mm. um, with your teammates, those types of things, which is, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, but then obviously I think, you know, there probably could be a little bit of leeway for, um, for things like if there's a lot of boundaries scored, um, I know that's probably something in the men's game they probably need to do because obviously when the ball goes into the crowd, people want to hang on to it a little bit longer because they've got the ball before they throw it back. Take a um, selfie. Yeah, all those types of things. And, and I think that's good fan engagement. Like That's something that, that probably needs to happen um, as I think, well. I like to put the game could just breathe a little bit more. Yeah, if I there think, was a little, like say five more minutes in the men's and women's. Yeah, I think there probably needs to be a, a little bit more time just to, you know, a, a lot of crazy things can happen in a cricket match that that will take up time. So I think it's something that probably needs to be considered. But I also think that there probably needs to be a little bit of leeway on on the captains. Obviously, in the in the men's uh, big bash, we saw Adam Vaux just be, you know, suspended suspended for a match. You know, when you suspend a captain, they're, they're usually one of your, your better players within your team, which can really hurt can hurt the overall product of, of the actual game that they're putting on. So, you know, I think um, they have to look at it. Yeah, I think it needs to be it needs to be looked. Well, at, I've started yeah. a pretty good campaign for it, so hopefully they will. Well, Sarah, we've come to the end of our time together, but thank you so much for coming on and giving the listeners an insight into the Women's Big Bash League this summer. It's one of the most exciting sporting comps in the country. And you're a big part of it. So good luck for the rest of the summer. And I hope the Sixers uh, lift the title. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully we do too. Cheers.